Welcome to the Clifford Chance Talking Tech at Singapore FinTech Festival podcast, where our global tech and fintech experts shared key highlights, trends and predictions from this year's Singapore FinTech Festival. My name is Lena Ng. I'm a partner here at Clifford Chance Singapore. I'm also the head of the Singapore chapter of our gender parity group, Accelerate, and it's my pleasure to welcome a full panel of women to join this podcast to share our key takeaways from day three of the Singapore FinTech Festival. Our guest speaker today is Georgia Quinn, General Counsel at Anchorage, the premier digital asset custodian and financial services platform for institutions. Thank you so much for joining us today, Georgia. So first up, we have Abigail Cessna, an associate in our antitrust team. She's based in Washington, DC. What did you think of day three of the festival? I attended one session that was more legal focused on deal making and another one on startup stories. And, you know, takeaways from the startup stories was it was you know more the human element of, of companies. The founders of Fintech shared some of the lessons that they learned and in, in forming and growing their companies. Um, and a couple of things that stood out to me, one was culture, you know, culture is something that, you know, especially at the startup stage that companies really need to consider what kind of culture they're going to build and then take an effort to maintain that culture. My other really takeaway from the, the management element of that, companies change and grow, especially startups which scale so quickly, um, you know, the need for talent shifts and the skills that companies are looking at really changes. The final takeaway kind of spans the two um, panels and was more on the legal side. And it, it related to something that one of the founders said, how you know one of their goals in the coming year was that they were going to grow their digital asset uh, custodian business. And it was that their growth so far had been hampered due to their compliance with regulation. And the key takeaway out of the dealmaker panel was that really regulation is the greatest risk facing um, startups, especially fintech. And that regulation runs the gamut from compliance, uh, antitrust laws, to you know licensing requirements for startups. So those are my takeaways. Thank you, Abigail. Uh, I think that's uh, close to my heart as well, um, given that I look at regulatory issues and, and you know, certainly those are gating issues for uh, any business that's looking to set up uh, in Singapore or any other you know, major financial institution. Georgia, if I can ask you, um, so Anchorage started as a startup uh, that originally offered custody solution uh, to its customers. And Anchorage is now a premier digital asset platform for institutions. Um, did you find any of uh, you know the lessons from the stories that are shared by Abigail um, that are relatable to Anchorage and, and the, the journey that um, Anchorage has taken? Uh, the first one that you know really struck me is the human element that Abigail mentioned because you know I've been in the startup world for quite some time now, and if you talk to any you know competent startup investor. The first thing they'll tell you is that when you're investing in startups, you're investing in the team, you're investing in people. It's not about the tech. It's not about, you know, the marketing or the, the, the market size. It's about the team. And if you think that they can execute on their plan. And for me at Anchorage, um, in addition to just the wonderful, um, 
personable, down-to-earth sort of environment that we've created is a true culture of compliance. You know, highly regulated industry, that kind of culture is essential because the whole move fast and break things kind of mentality that you see in Silicon Valley a lot just doesn't fly when it comes to financial services. If you're taking people's money, it is regulated and you need to make sure that you have the appropriate policies and procedures and personnel in place to, you know, fulfill those regulatory requirements. And the fact that um, when I came to Anchorage, this was already a very inherent part of their DNA. And it wasn't, I didn't have to like convince people that this was something we needed to do. It actually was a part of our competitive strategy because, you know, I think, um, Abigail also mentioned there was a, a you know company that mentioned the the regulatory landscape was actually inhibiting them and inhibiting their growth and we've had the absolute opposite experience by ma- acquiring these certain regulatory licensures and creating our own regulatory certainty where it didn't exist otherwise we've been able to expand and build and acquire clients because we have this certainty and this kind of regulatory moat that other Uh, companies and entities aren't able to acquire. And so um, we've kind of tried to just flip that script a little bit, um, you know, with respect to the regulatory environment, because especially in digital assets, I mean, it is very uncertain, right? Like we are at the very cutting edge of this. And to be able to to seek out that certainty by having a, a strategic regulatory framework has been very beneficial for us. Thanks, Georgia. Hearing um, about how, you know, regulation can actually promote business. I, I think that's that's good news. So, so Mira, um, Mira Ragnar is a, a senior associate in our financial regulatory team uh, based in London. And uh, Mira, you attended a number of panel discussion that focused on risk in financial services. Um, you know, what did you hear during those sessions that was relevant um, to your practice and to our financial uh, institution clients? And one of the most pertinent risks for my practice area, um, and Lena, you mentioned that this is something you see this too, is is the kind of the regulatory framework underpinning all of this. Um, now, Georgia, it was great to hear how at Anchorage, you know, there is this culture of compliance. Um, but sometimes one of the one of the themes that came up is the challenges in kind of implementing this because that involves navigating regulatory regimes across multiple jurisdictions um, and there are often different licensing rules across different countries and it's not always clear or obvious where the boundaries lie between a regulated or an unregulated activity um, and that's particularly because some of the pre-existing regulation was not de- designed with these new new products and innovations in mind. So the question as to how to go about actually building that, you know, um, compliance program to address the various and differing requirements is um, something that is, you know, can be a fairly thorny topic and, you know, can take some time unraveling the kind of various questions that that can that can raise. Georgia, turning back to you um, and, you know, the focus on um, Anchorage services for institutional investors. Uh, what changes do you think are likely to materialize uh, in 2022 for financial services? Uh, thanks. Yes. Uh, Mira was just speaking about is uh, we think that there will be a little bit more of a cohesion amongst these uh, global jurisdictions as to um 
kind of the, the framework that will be set forth for this asset class. And if you look, it, it's absolutely true that right now, um, all of the different jurisdictions have, you know, somewhat different regimes and they're all kind of trying to, you know, there are a lot of proposed regulations out there. There are a lot of brand new regulations that we're, you know, still working on implementing. So, you know, there is that um, uncertainty, but some themes that we see kind of um, materializing are basically with this, with respect to digital assets, they're kind of being put into two to three buckets one of the buckets is that um, more like a security bucket. So uh, these digital assets that operate and function more like securities. And so for those, there already is an existing framework, may need to be tweaked a little bit. But in most jurisdictions, they have securities law regulations and framework. Then there is this other bucket of digital assets that's more like a commodity or a currency or even maybe a product. And that's where we're seeing a lot of kind of new regulations being proposed. Um, and so, you know, if we can kind of harmonize those amongst jurisdictions, I think we'll get a lot more, uh, you know, it, it will just make it easier because as you guys know, with digital assets, there are no jurisdictional boundaries. We have to try to harmonize um, these regulations uh, out of necessity. I think we are going to see a more intense scrutiny of this asset class. And we're already seeing this certainly in the US, right? I mean, all of our regulatory agencies are turning their eyes towards this industry and proposing things. We've got, you know, President's Working Group, OCC, you know, with their speeches, obviously, uh, Chairman Gensler, very outspoken about this asset class. Uh, FinCEN releasing papers, OFAC releasing papers. So, you know, our alphabet soup over here is is obviously very focused and interested, and they will be providing more of that, you know, what we were talking about before, regulatory certainty. Now, whether, you know, certain institutions uh, and participants in this market want that certainty or are actually um, in agreement with that certainty, that that will remain to be seen. But I think all in all, like that's kind of a, sounds very negative, but I think all in all that actually is gonna be extremely positive for the industry as a whole, because you'll never get mass adoption until you create a safe and sound environment for people to participate in. You'll always have the early adopters, they're risk takers, they're out there, they're ready to go. But that's not what I'm interested in. You know, I want every person in the world to have at least some small exposure to this asset class. And that's never going to happen if we can't have, you know, a knowable and, and um, enforceable regulatory regime. Thanks, Georgia. I think there's, um, def you can definitely see a trend of evolution, um, you know, as you get from one fintech festival to another. Um, you know, I remember when we attended the very first fintech festival, you could put sort of traditional uh, financial institutions and the use of technology on one side, and then you could sort of put crypto and blockchain on another side. And, you know, there, there was a bit of a divide between the, the two. But I think as uh, we enter into this particular fintech festival, I think that there's definitely a, a lot more meshing of the two groups. So, and, and Iris, I'd like to turn to you. Um, you know, Iris Mock is a, is a senior associate um, in our litigation team uh, based in Hong Kong. And I, I, you know, she attended a number of these sessions. 
Uh, maybe you can share uh, your observations, uh, you know, from these interactions on these panels with these mixed groups. If you could um, let us know your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Lena. Um, I think uh, we're at this exciting juncture where the, we see a collaboration between the new and the traditional. So you have the traditional banks where they possess a huge amount of customer data, and then they are actually currently being fed into uh, fintech AI, so when they, they can churn out findings to find out what the customers like. So um, I think what's interesting here is that they are using possibly different approach, but they have this common goal. Um, and speaking of common goal, uh, the word we hear a lot during the festival is uh, sustainability. And uh, I attended a session for uh, innovation for sustainability. Um, and the speakers uh, from Ant Group, from Microsoft, and also from MasterCard, um, they all have a, a common goal. They're basically using green finance and uh, green technologies so that the financial system itself will be sustainable. Um, they, they have like some really exciting, interesting numbers. So from Ant Group, they have this program called Green Forest, where, uh, which is embedded in the Alipay app to promote greener lifestyles to encourage lower carbon activity. Um, it's been joined by 600 million uh, members and they have planted 360 million trees, which is like a lot of trees. Um, and then we have MasterCard telling us that uh, they have this historical focus on financial inclusion. So uh, last year, they reached this goal of reaching 500 million people uh, where they were previously excluded from financial services. And uh, Microsoft comes from a slightly different angle where they have uh, sustainability in the DNA. They're very conscious about what they can do. And they are adopting this very disciplined and systematic approach, which is grounded in science and math. Basically, they are doing research to find out um, what they can do to make this financial system and also uh, the climate bet a better place. So it's very exciting to see these huge corporation institutions having a common goal to, to improve the future. Thanks, Iris. Yes, I, I would say, you know, the theme of sustainability ESG, um, I think, came up in almost every panel. Georgia, if I can ask you, you know, how has Anchorage um, helped institutions, you know, navigate around ESG? You know, what are, what are, what are your thoughts on sustainability in finance? With respect to um, helping other institutions, I think, you know, the elephant in the room is uh, Bitcoin and how mining works and the fact that a lot of Bitcoin miners use, you know, dirty energy to, to mine it and, and it requires an intense amount of energy consumption. Um, the things that we're working on are, you know, assisting with the development and promotion of alternative coins that are, you know, generated in a different way that don't use the same sort of um, proof of work concept, you know, whether it's proof of stake or proof of time, there are several other, you know, alternative coins that, um, you know, just don't have the same sort of carbon footprint. In addition, um, we have been helping miners access clean energy, whether it's hydropower or solar by assisting, you know, with the financing of those mining operations. We've worked with several miners and, and frankly, China shutting down um, a lot of its Bitcoin, you know, a lot of the Bitcoin mining operations in China has actually helped from a, from a, you know, sustainability perspective, because most of that mining was being done, you know, using fossil fuels. And by, you know, moving those people out of China or those operations out of China, they've had to move into, you know, obviously different geographies where 
we are promoting, you know, more sustainable and, and kind of green energy solutions. And so um, I can't say that, uh, you know, we've fixed everything, but it, we're definitely taking the steps that we can to promote, again, tokens that have alternative um, means of genesis. So not just this proof of work, high energy consumptive, uh, you know, program, and then helping those miners that are you know still mining bitcoin to use cleaner sources of energy let's now do some crystal ball gazing um Yaruchia is an associate in our finred practice here in singapore uh what are some of the predictions for 2022 um that were made during the sessions you attended thanks lena um so i have three key takeaways for the future web 3.0 the first takeaway is that fintech has transformed from disruption to collaboration. There will be a lot more collaboration amongst um, industry players to transit to a digital economy and to create shared value together. I see such collaboration between industry players as fintegration, where the line between fintech firms and traditional financial institutions has been blurred with the integration of fintech firms and the technologies into day-to-day -day operations and businesses of traditional financial institutions. Financial institutions are reinventing their business models and leveraging on technology to connect with customers at more touch points to create a seamless experience and to meet the challenges of green transition and, and achieving net zero emissions. I think there's no longer a battle between the incumbent institutions and the fintech players, but which digital platforms can meet client needs as quickly and easily as possible. The second takeaway I have is that there needs to be a balance between regulation and encouraging innovation. I think there's always a theme of how regulation should not front run innovation, where introducing re regulation prematurely may stifle innovation and potentially derail the adoption of useful technology. But regulation is necessary as well to promote the safe and responsible application of technology. So such balance can be in a form of allowing experimentation to facilitate fintech innovation while limiting its risk to consumers and the financial systems should these innovations fail. And the regulatory sandbox is a useful device to test new ideas in a confined environment. And I note that the MES has just announced enhancements to its regulatory sandbox framework to have a more streamlined application with financial grants and enrolling applicants onto a platform for deal-making opportunities where it will help sandbox companies access the external investor community to benefit from the network, mentorship and funding. Generally, I think um, it's not so much about more or less regulation these days, but more about smart regulation. Um, we have Web 3.0, so it will also have to be a corresponding Law 3.0 with RegTech, where we leverage on technology and data analytics to enhance the efficiency and effectiveness of surveillance and instill confidence in consumers. Ultimately, fintech is not just about the technology. It is about solving real-life problems. It is about how finance must aspire to be trusted, must aspire to be inclusive, and must aspire to be sustainable. I personally see the tech within fintech as not just about the technology itself, but it's about how thinking differently about problems can lead to innovative solutions. And the best way of thinking differently is by encouraging diversity, 
where you put different people, different ideas, and different experiences together, which is what um, this FinTech Festival and this podcast today celebrate. And of course, um, with an all-female podcast today, um, with Georgia being one of the female leaders in the FinTech and crypto space, um, it's all very exciting to see the role of women in shaping FinTech. Um, so yeah, I think the FinTech journey and the journey towards Web 3.0 is all very exciting for diversity and sharing of ideas. Fantastic. So Georgia, if I may ask you, what are your thoughts and predictions for the digital future? Sure, thanks. Um, with respect to collaboration, you know, with traditional finance and fintech and, and digital, ass, you know, digital asset service providers, uh, we're, we're definitely seeing that now. And I think, I think there was a time when the traditional finance, you know, providers were they didn't want to let on that they were looking into this asset class and that they were, you know, participating. So they kept these kind of, you know, secret groups of people within their their institution, you know, kind of secretly working on these projects, like black ops stuff. But, um, you know, that time is over. We know that everybody's doing this. Everyone's working on this. And uh, and, and I think that's just a much better environment to be in. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting that's taking place is the focus on stable coins and CBDCs and setting up now, I think, whereas it used to be traditional finance and um, fintech were at odds. Now we're looking at like stable coin versus CBDC and we're trying to see where the benefits and burdens lie and if um, you know, certain nation states will allow a stable coin to exist that's backed by their fiat without having control over it and what that would mean if you would have like a private purveyor of, of money. And so I think that's going to be a super interesting thing to see play out. Um, also thinking about um, what Yuru mentioned with the balance between regulation and innovation. I mean, oh, this, this is the keys to the kingdom here. This is the most important thing that we should be focused on. And I, and I always, you know, she mentioned the sandbox, which is a wonderful concept. And, you know, people and, and institutions need to have the, the freedom and flexibility to try things and to fail and to try things again in a different way. Um, and but we do have to be careful about, you know, making sure it's a sandbox and not quicksand where you just kind of your ideas go to die. And we, we really need to make sure that there is that stimulus and that innovation and that you get to leave that sandbox at some point and, and actually, you know, add your goods and services to the stream of commerce. Um, and then just the third thing about diversity yeah, I mean, this wasn't necessarily a women's panel, right? Like, I don't think you guys organized this to be a women's panel. It just kind of worked out that way. And we all happen to be women. And I think that's what's, you know, going to start happening more and more. And I'm really looking forward to that. Thanks. Thanks, Georgia. And and just to wrap up, I, I, I think the common themes that we're seeing here is a, a, a divergence between traditional finance and, you know, uh, the sort of disruptors. Um, that division is is really disappearing. I think the other one is around uh, regulation versus innovation, and and I really like that uh, catchphrase of you know sandbox, not quicksand. I'm going to use that, Georgia. Um, and the last point is diversity, I, and and I think and inclusion, and I, and I think um, you know seeing the number of uh, you know uh, diverse uh, panelists is is very encouraging, and uh, I'm very proud of our panel here today, and. Uh, our participation and, and thank you, Georgia, for joining us. I really thank you for the, your time and your insight and, and for sharing your views. So thank you very much. 
this concludes our series of Clifford Chance Talking Tech at Singapore FinTech Festival. If you missed any of our episodes, please do go to talkingtech.cliffordchance.com. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cliffordchance.com and follow us on LinkedIn.